I want to talk about the presence of God. We're on the subject of the presence of God at the moment. And so I just thought I'd uh, come at things from a slightly different angle this morning. And, um, but I hope you're going to leave encouraged. Amen. Amen. Um, quite a few years ago, I've, I've had several times, and I would say either in visions or dreams, I've encountered Jesus. Uh, one of the times uh, was a time, and I, I can't honestly remember it, whether it was a dream or a vision or, you know, kind of one of those half state of half awake. But, but I met Jesus and, and Jesus was stood in front of me with something wrapped in cloths in his arms. And uh, as you do in, in visions, you kind of just think things and you're communicating. So I was kind of think, I was thinking, well, what's that? And I felt Jesus say, Un- unwrap it. So I, I unwrapped it. I don't have lots of experiences like this, by the way. There's probably just a few in 44 years. But So I unwrapped it. And in the arms of Jesus was a baby. Now, I was single at the time. So I was thinking, don't give me a baby. You know, I mean, it's really not good. <laughs> I wouldn't do well with it. I struggled with a hamster. Um, and I, so I was saying to, to God, well, what's that? And Jesus just said to me straight away, this is your spirit. So I was like, as, as I do in these things, I'm hunting for scriptures. What's he talking about? What does he mean? And of course, immediately, um, uh, uh, scriptures like the, the spirit cries, Abba, causes us to cry, Abba, Father. Abba is the most babyish, simple word. In other words, the spirit in our lives brings our relationship right down to a childlike, even unsophisticated level. That's how we're supposed to relate to God. I love that God does that because it means that everyone in the room can relate to God. Everyone in the room can relate to the presence of God. Whatever age, whatever intellect, whatever experience, we can all relate to God, which is fantastic, isn't it? That God places us at that level. So, so I felt God say to me, this is your spirit. And then for about, it felt like half an hour or so, God just began to talk to me about ways that I abuse what he gives me by trying to be more sophisticated than I need to be. Trying to be more grown up, you know, getting the, 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 the business card that says man of God and lion tamer on it. You know what I mean? Get, 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 get in the white suit and, you know, kind of trying to make out like if someone stands on this platform, they're, 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 they're floating through the air. Do you know what I mean? And never need to use deodorant or whatever. Um, and through our spiritual lives, and Darren alluded to this kind of thing, David counted the fighting men. And the reason it was an error is because he started to lean into the arm of flesh. How strong are we? Not how strong is he, how strong are we? Uh, Where are we at? We can say how big our army is. We can look at what we've got. But the reality is, who knows that there's two chairs you can sit on in life. You can lean into the arm of flesh or you can lean into the arms of God. That's what I want to talk about today, how there's two chairs that we sit on in life. And I want to ask you this morning, which chair you sat on? And then I want to be real simple uh, and and, and kind of obvious, I suppose, and talk about the fact that through our lives, you might sit in one seat on a Sunday morning and another one on a Monday night. And in fact, you might sit in about five seats in a single day. But God made us to sit in one seat and how we need to sit in that place. Now, I've got some scriptures to kind of highlight what we're talking about. Uh, there's three of them, and I'm just going to do the three in a row. I trust that, that I think it can hear me up there in the room. Fa- look at that. Fantastic. 
the guys who dealt with some technical stuff this morning. Can we thank all the techie guys? Because seriously, they just make all of this work amazingly. So the first one is in Exodus 33. And we're going to read all these together. Is that okay? Uh, uh, Exodus 32, let's read it together. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I want you to understand that rest and the presence of God go hand in hand. When you're living with the presence of God, remember he says, I will go with you. I will be with you. God wants to be with you 24-7. As you sleep, as you rise, as you work, as you, as you change that nappy, as you have a business meeting, uh, when you're in church, when you're in your own prayer time, when you're busy about your day, God wants to be with you. And here's the reality of the presence of God being our in our lives. When God's presence goes with us, we are able to live in rest. Take a deep breath and then breathe out. God means you to live at peace. And he gives us his presence so that we can live in that peace. Amen. Let's read the next scripture, which is, um, which one will it be? The Hebrews 4 one. You should have up there, guys. Uh, Hebrews 4. And it's. Okay, that's going to keep clicking along, all right? So when we get to the end of the sentence, they'll do the next one for us. Should we read it together? There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of the disobedience. Hebrews 4, 9 to 11. It's talking about the fact that the children of Israel were disobedient and through unbelief never entered the rest of God. Uh, let's do that one last scripture then, which is in Colossians 2. Then we're going to string all these together. Let's read together. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, second verse, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Sabbath day, having that one day in seven, was a shadow of a reality that we were going to learn. Are you with me? So we're meant to live in this place of rest. God uh, created the world six days and that he created man on the sixth day. And the first thing that man saw was God resting. If leadership is all about modeling, it's great that I think I'll leave man until the first thing he's going to see is a God at rest. Because that's what I want to teach humanity. When you're living with me, you'll be at rest. Okay, And so when the children of Israel had the law and they were to keep the Sabbath, it was then a shadow of a reality that we get to live every day. It's not so much about a day, although a day of rest is really good and very, very powerful to keep our ambition in check. And also to take a day when we go, I am going to rest. If you're a seven day a week worker, then maybe we need to realize that we're not God. You know, you know what I'm saying by that? You know, as in sometimes less is more. Okay. But it's not so much about the, the, the seventh day resting. That's another message. I'm here talking about the attitude of rest in our hearts. When we know God's presence, we can be at rest. Why? Because God's looking after me. Say God's looking after me. 
You're not on your own in this big, dark, confusing world. You are not alone in this broken world. You're not alone with your broken heart. You're not alone with your your difficulties. You're not alone with your failures. You have God with you. Now, in life, we sit in one of two seats. And let's see which seat you sit on. Sometimes we sit in the self seat, the seat of flesh. And we might be a Christian, we sing the songs, we go to the services, and yet underlying how we behave and how we interact with the world is this reality. I've somehow got to make it myself. Fulfillment is still about me forcing things through. It's about performance. Say performance. Performance equals stress. If we're going to live by how good am I, how many men have I got can I count, how strong am I, I'm taking my destiny into my own hands and saying, right, I've somehow, by my performance, got to see this through to get everything that I want out of life. But there's another seat where, believer, you're supposed to sit. In fact, you're supposed to make every effort to go sit on this other seat. It's the seat of presence. It's the seat. Performance equals stress. Presence equals rest. God's with me. God's on my side. He's for me. He doesn't just know tomorrow. He's in tomorrow. I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future. He's got it in his hand and I have nothing. Nothing. I studied the Greek and the Hebrew on the word nothing. Nothing to worry about. That's why God says, be anxious for nothing. All worry does is sap you of strength. But here in the seat, do you know what I'm talking about? That inner posture. Even while I'm talking, you'll start to settle into that posture and go, yeah, I've been a bit stressed. You know, I mean, the kids were winding me up. I was worried about that bill. Now, even as I talk, experienced Christians will be sitting there going, yeah, just adjust your posture a little. Yeah, it's true. Deep, breathe out. Stop worrying about where you're going to go to uni in September. Breathe out. Stop worrying about where your career's going. Breathe out. Stop worrying about an area of ministry or your kids. Breathe out. God's in control. This seat is the seat of trust. I trust. God. He holds everything. It's not God plus me. It's God. God's looking after me. He's caring for me. To sit in this seat, think about Abraham and Lot. Uh, Abraham and Lot, Genesis 13, their, 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 their flocks were getting too big. Their flocks were getting huge. And their, their, their staff was starting to squabble. So uh, Abraham turns around and goes, okay, look, we've got a, evidently, we need to get an area for your guys, an area for mine, guys. Listen to this abundance mentality, because this is someone of faith now. He says to Lot, so where do you want to go? I would have been like, I must make sure I get the greenest pastures. I must make sure I get the good bit, because now how can I, hey, look, you know, over that area, it's really, really good. Anybody ever manipulate To get the answer you want, just keep quiet. Just don't look at me right now. Abraham is in faith. So Abraham is in faith so he can completely go pick whatever you want because my abundance is in God's hands. It's an abundance mentality. I don't care what you choose, Lot. I'm going to be blessed. 
This is, this is the seat of faith. I don't care what doesn't go my way. If I don't get that promotion, I'll get a better one. If I don't get that car, I'll get a better one. If I don't get that house, I'll get a better one. Or if I don't get it, I'm not supposed to have it. And I only want what God has for me anyway, because it's the best plan for my life. It's the seat of presence. He's with me. He's my comforter, my counselor. It's the seat of rest, but it requires that you have an abundance mentality. There's more than enough to go around. It requires this heart. Listen to this. My things, my possessions are in his hands. I will not stress about possessions, where I live, what I have, whether it's a 17-inch screen or a 57-inch screen. I will not stress about these things. I'm going to sit back. And this is how you enjoy daily presence. It's by having daily faith. I'm trusting him with that stuff. I trust him with my things. That's what Abraham did. My things are in his hands. Think about, think about David and Saul. David was being essentially chased around by Saul. Saul, the, the, the king before him, was trying to kill him because he was a threat to his kingdom. So Saul was over here in the arm of flesh trying to defend his position that he'd already lost because he disobeyed God. David was in the seat of rest, the seat of faith, sitting back. And listen to him. He said, I, Saul was attacking him, throwing spears at him, chasing him around. David had opportunity to kill Saul, didn't he? But what did he, what did he say? I will not touch the Lord's anointed. In other words, my fulfillment is in his hands. I'm not going to whip it out of someone else's. And if this is brave now, if it's meant for me, it will come to me. Right? Feel the fresh air. If it's meant for me, I, I don't need to grasp. Now, who knows that you have nights when you start grasping and you go from, it's normally about two in the morning and suddenly you wake up. I don't know, you had too many Haribos the night before. I can't imagine who that would happen to. <laughs> and in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, let's be honest, you slip over. You've had your bum over here. Now you slip over into stress and you start to think about it and you start to plan and you start to scream, uh, uh, scheme, that's the word, and scream maybe. Um, and and you, get into, you get into words like striving and frustrated and got to make it happen. Uh, 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 you get into stress. You lose your peace. Now it's all about me. Now what do I need to do to try and make this thing happen? And over here is just my times in God's hands. Let, let, shift your bum this morning. Come over to the side of rest. Come and sit in the seat of rest and say, my fulfillment is in God's hands. Amen. Uh, my things are in God's hand. Think of Joseph. Joseph uh, had a dream from God of something that would happen. And we all know the story. Joseph, if, if you're new to all this, Joseph, Technicolor dream coat, okay? And the story of how he gets put in the pit, sold into slavery, ends up in prison. All unjust things happen to him. It's funny how unjust things happen to biblical characters, right? Um, but he, by his attitude, I don't know about you, but 10 years in, I might not have still had a good attitude. Anybody with me on that? You know what I mean? I'd have started to worry. 
I'd have had plenty of nights in that seat, wringing my hands, stressing it out. I'd have started thumping a few other prisoners and a few prison guards. Anybody would have get irritated with me. But Joseph was a man of faith. And he said, my times are in your hand. My times are in, whether this takes two weeks or 13 years, 17 years or 25 years, my time is in your hand. It's not worth losing my peace over today. I'm going to be a man of faith. I'm going to stay seated in the seat of faith. I'm not going to get into the seat of performance, of self, of stress, of fear, forcing it, doubting, unbelief, independence, self-fulfillment or control. I'm going to stay in the seat of faith. Why? Because all along the way, you get to enjoy God's presence sat in this seat. And really, really, it's what it's all about. It's me and God on a journey. I love the fact in the Bible that there's lots of strolling going on. You know what I mean? They're walking from place to place. They, they, they weren't checking their Twitter updates every two minutes. They were enjoying the journey with God, taking their time, knowing my fulfillment is in his hands. My time is in his hands. My things are in his hands. I'm going to stop stressing about all this stuff, trying to make stuff happen. I'm going to stay in the seat of faith, knowing that if I sit there, there's a connection between me and heaven. Faith, the trust in my heart of him, creates a connection that's invisible but it connects me to God and it means that there is a, there's, a, there's a stairway between me and God and the angels heaven are, of heaven are ascending and descending. In other words, God's looking after me. He's going to take care of it. I need to stress about nothing. What are you stressing about? Shift over to this seat. In this seat is the presence of your father and he'll look after you. Amen. When that big bill comes, Stay in this. Don't suddenly shift over to there. Now, what are we going to do? Stay in this seat when the big bill comes. Stay in this seat when you're overlooked and left out. Have an abundance mentality. There's more than enough excitement to go around, more than enough ministry, more than enough career opportunities, more than enough money. It's everything. Start to be like Abraham. Give other people the best, trusting that God will give you the better. There's more than enough to go around. I remember hearing about uh, a pastor friend who, who, who went through a similar building journey to ours. For eight years, they owned land and couldn't get planning permission on it. For eight years. Do you think that the pastor would frequently slip over to that seat rather than this seat and go, oh God, I'm looking like a bit of a dumb leader now. We've got this land and we can't do anything on it. Uh, and we're, they're waiting for things to come through. Um, but he just kept resting in God and saying, God, my time is in your hands. The fulfillment of all things that you say is in your hands. We're not going to get presumptuous and run ahead of you. We're going to walk with you knowing that our times are in your hands. Amen. Now, there's a couple of great things about sitting in this seat. Um, here's the first one. Think of this scripture, right? Exodus 40, 34 to 35 reads like this. And we're talking about the presence of God being a place of rest. It says this, Exodus 40, 34 to 35. It says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Listen to this for a moment. Moses could not enter because the glory had filled the tabernacle. 
in our fight with flesh, who wants to be better? Do you know what I mean? Who still does dumb stuff and you think, what? Where does that come from? It's, it's just like the Apostle Paul says, that I want to do, I don't do. And that I, I don't do, I, I, whatever it is, you know the scripture. <laughs> Ran out of it. Uh, you know, so you've got this wrestle inside. Listen, in the battle for us to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, the presence of God is your friend. Have you noticed that the more you try to be better, it's almost like you sit in this seat to sort yourself out. You work out, well, why are you wanting the wrong things? Why are you doing the wrong things? Why are you thinking the wrong things? Why are you slipping up and doing dumb stuff again and again? And it's like the more you fight yourself, the more you just end up up to your armpits in yourself. And actually you don't get any better. Do you want to know how to conquer bad habits, unspiritual patterns of thinking, ways of behavior that seem to have you snared. I guarantee you, it's not by getting up, in, up to your elbows in you. It's this. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so Moses couldn't enter. The presence of God so filled me that the arm of flesh was put to death. The presence of God was so strong in my life that actually sin fell away. It's about focus. The more you focus on you, you won't fix you. Christianity is not a self-improvement program. You can't fix you, but his presence fixes you. Because you fall in love with him and sin falls away like an autumn leaf. You just don't want to do that stuff. He changes the wants inside of you. Why? By an act of his presence. The glory overshadows. And guess what? The arm of flesh can't go in anymore. I'm stuck outside. The way the New Testament puts it is like this, Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Fall in love with the Spirit. Love the presence of God. Enjoy the anointing. Be around His presence and it will change how you behave. If you want to know, oh, I wish I could put this lazy, slothful, angry, materialistic, proud, lustful man to death. You know how to do that? Fall in love with his presence. Just to be in his presence. And all the stuff that's not like Jesus starts to fall away. Isn't that fantastic? I love it. In your fight against sin, it's the presence of God that transforms you. Uh, Romans 8.13 put it, puts it this way. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's over there. But if by the spirit, by the presence, by, by walking in his presence and in his rest, if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Just like Moses couldn't get up and enter that tent, your flesh won't be able to get up. Down in the grave it goes and you'll live free from sin. How to overcome sin? Don't focus on sin. Focus on Jesus. Have an abundance mentality. His grace is sufficient for you. Fall in love with him. Stop beating yourself up. Feeling shame-filled is not spiritual. It's not good for you. It never fixes you. Feeling forgiven and that your sins are forgotten and that he loves you and his grace is more than enough for you, that's what sets you free from sin. His goodness leads to the genuine change of repentance. He loves me. There you go, devil. Get stuffed. He loves me. I'm forgiven. It annoys the enemy so much. Do you want to irritate him? Just remind him you're forgiven. He's not. Hallelujah. Love it. And then the second thing, the overshadowing presence of God is how God is going to create destiny in your life. 
It's how he's going to transform you to be like Christ. And it's how he's going to create destiny in your life. Listen to this. This is, this is Mary, right? This is the words of the angel to Mary. Luke 1.35 says this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Literally a bright cloud of glory will come upon you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Who wants their destiny destiny to be something born of heaven? Right? Well, how will that happen? Get into this seat and rest. It's not about selfish ambition. It's not about self-fulfillment. It's not what's the ultimate thing I could do to make me happy. It's this. Heavenly Father, you're the ultimate one who makes me happy. Come and birth a divine destiny in me. And this is how we'll do it. You'll live in his presence and something wonderful from him will be born in you. Genesis 1 talks about the spirit hovering. Literally, it means relaxing over the face of the earth and God begins creating. The presence of God settled on the mountain and the law was born. The presence of God settled on a tent of meeting and Moses received all his wisdom from God. There's something about just letting the presence of God settle. And along with that comes wisdom and health, destiny, healing. And in exactly the same way, Peter's shadow, just like Mary was overshadowed, Peter's same word, Peter's shadow overshadowed people and they started to be healed. See, when you get a ministry born of this seat, just resting in God, then your shadow begins to do the same thing as God's shadow. You have the countenance of Christ. It transforms people. The arm of flesh ain't going to transform anybody. Just live in stress. Come over to this seat. Sit in the arms of God. Let him do what he wants to do. Who needs to rest more? You know, and it's not, well, I'm, I, you know, about laziness. It's about posture, isn't it? It's about attitude. It's about not going into that interview stressed. Why? Because, you know, well, ultimately, I'm going to get it if God wants me to have it. Ultimately, I can fluff up the entire interview, but if I'm supposed to get it, I'll get it. Ultimately, I can fluff the test, but I'm going to get the same destiny. Because, see, God's clever. Sometimes he lets us fluff stuff up just to prove it was me all along. That's what he's like. It's not about you. It's about his love caring for you and looking after you. If only we got how much he wants to bring these things into our lives, we'd rest. I always remember being in Kruger Park. I'm ending with this story. Kruger Park, South Africa, a game reserve the size of Wales. And um, uh, there was a group of about six of us. We were on mission and between the weekends, we'd go on safari. And this one night we arrived at this, at this uh, uh, like a little, it's like a little village uh, in the middle of these game reserves where you go and stay. And I know, because I've stayed in many of them, that some of them have fences this high which isn't so great because there's lions and elephant and rhino around and some of them have fences this high. Well, we arrived in this one game reserve. It was night uh, when we arrived, so it was dark. And we got into, we had about three little huts and we got into one hut, we were going to do a barbecue. So I headed out next door to our hut to go get a knife and bring it back to where we were going to have a barbecue. And while I'm heading away, I hear this loud noise. Didn't really click what it was, to be honest. And then I'm in our our little kind of lodge 
finding a knife to take back to the other place. And then, and I walk back out. And as I'm walking back across the grass in the dark towards this other lodge where, where most of the group were, I heard this little scared voice. Vicky was going, Jared. And I'm like, yes. And she said, there's a lion out here. So I ran like crazy and, uh, and ran into the lodge. And apparently as I'd been walking the other way, I didn't really hear it properly. There was this loud roar. Like this, and about three of them had been out on the veranda area looking at the meat that they were about to cook, which must have created a lovely smell for the lion. And this lion roared, so they all ran and shoved in like some kind of comedic act to get into the lodge and get into safety. But of course, I was out there with the lion, so we were now we were like, Well, we better cook indoors, though. We don't know where this lion is, we don't know what the fences are like. We're, it's the dark. So we had our little pathetic barbecue indoors, sitting there, knees knocking, wondering where the lion was, knowing that we still had to make it back to our own lodges later. So, you know, we all scarpered at the end of the evening. Anyway, we woke up in the morning thinking, right, let's see what it's like. We knew we were near the perimeter of the camp. So opened the door, looked out, and here was this humongous fence. We'd been scared for nothing because we didn't see how protected we were to be saved born again saved right to be saved literally means to be safe listen you're safe you're safe you're safe you've come into the arms of Jesus you're safe You can sit and trust and rest and know no matter what lion roars, there's a great fence around you. You're safe. Doesn't matter the diagnosis. It doesn't matter the failed interview. Doesn't matter your intellect or your education. You're safe. You're going to have a good destiny. Sit in this seat with God. Stop stressing. Stop trying to make things happen. Cut all the conflict out of your life. Come and sit here and say, my God's looking after me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? You're safe. You're safe. Rest. Your career is safe. Your children are safe. Your health is safe. Your finances are safe. Your home is safe. Your future is safe. Your eternity is safe. Your forgiveness is safe. His grace is safe. You are cared for. He is your shepherd. You shall not be in want. You are safe.